everyone, and welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games you can take with you. I'm your host, Chase Kennecke. Uh It's the most wonderful time of the year, and that's because we have Matt Jaguer back. Hi, Matt. Hi. Yes. Uh, so we are we are in December. We are in the the end of 2016, and that means that we're going to talk about some of the best games. Of, of this year, specifically because you are a 3DS owner and I am a 3DS owner, uh, we're going to talk about Nintendo's uh, little handheld here and uh, and all the great games that came out for for this year. And there were a lot. Yeah, there were a lot. I, I think that that's something we were talking about right before we started the show, was this 2016, for as bad of a year as it's been in general... <laughs> um, there's been some bright spots. There's there's been some bright spots, and I would say gaming is one of those bright spots, uh, specifically yeah. handheld gaming, because there there have been a ton of really great games. You were you were reminding me before we started the show of how kind of down I was last year, and I I remembered like yeah, 2015. I was I was not pleased with the uh, <laughs> with the amount of well with the amount of quality games uh, that came out for for all handhelds really. Yeah. Uh, My dogs agree too. Uh, yes, they, 2015 they, they, was just a poo-poo year for the 3DS, <laughs> for sure. Despite uh, the fact SteamWorld Heist debuted on that uh, system that year, exactly, and was probably one of the best games. Period. I uh, would totally agree. Yeah, in fact, not, not not just as a handheld, and you can get it now. So, best game of last year, buy it on whatever console or. It's on the PC as well too, so buy it there. Yeah, I mean, play this game if you wanted to get technical. Now, now on the 3DS, yes, it absolutely came out last year, but it did release for the Vita this year and for iOS yep. and for Steam, so it could easily make somebody's top uh, top list uh, yep. for yep. for this year. Uh, but yes, for our purposes, uh, we will not be talking in depth about SteamWorld Heist since that was a 2015 game. I will say, and I think you you just did an episode about it anyway, so I, I could did. just go there. You're correct. Episode fifty eight. Yeah, this is fifty nine. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fantastic game. Um, and I feel like I, I again like we preface this by saying this was a really good year for handheld games. I've got a lot of games here that I really enjoyed. Some that really surprised me, but I still don't think I liked anything this year as much as I liked Steamworld Heist last year. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, uh, like, I don't disagree with that because I, I really do love SteamWorld uh, Heist a lot, and but this year had a really big surprise for me, and I'll, I'll get to that uh, later. Well, in the let's, show. Get, let's get to it right now. Let's jump in. So uh, we're gonna talk. We're not gonna do a list here. Like Matt's, yeah. Matt's made a top five list uh, for all handheld games that will be posted. I mean, if you're listening to the show, it should be posted by the by the time you're hearing it. Um, and and then I have a top ten list that's coming out um, later. Um, so I mean, you'll get to see our, our complete thoughts that way. But this is really just kind of a celebration of the system and the games that came out this year. And and we're going to talk about games that we've played and loved, games that were big this year that we uh, you know were part of the conversation at least, and then uh, maybe some games that we didn't quite get to this year. Wanted to get to something that's kind of on that pile of shame, something maybe that we're excited to play in 2017. But uh, Matt, why don't you start us off with uh, with this surprise game for you? Because I've played a little bit of it, and I think it's a, a pretty cool game, but I'd like to hear your take. 
Well, the the surprise, I guess I'll call it the dark horse of this year for oh, me, good. is Pocket Card Jockey. Very nice. Uh, developed for, by, by Game Freaks. That's, uh, I guess it's, it's exclusive on the 3DS, correct? I be- well, it's exclusive on the 3DS in the for United now. States. Ah, uh, is it on uh, like uh, mobile devices or Vita in Japan? Yeah, or? in in Japan, it is on. Um, I believe it's on smartphones. Uh, okay, which, so which sounds like a really Japan, cool way to play it. I probably would play a lot more of this game if it was on a phone that I could have with me all the time instead of my 3ds. That you know, I still mostly have my 3ds with me all the time. But yeah, I just when I really, really want to play it, I'll just bring my 3ds with me and play it because it's that simple. It is a very, very, very simple game where it just involves playing a game of uh, solitaire, not like an actual game of solitaire. It's a very specific kind where you just do uh, ascending or descending order of uh, numeral cards, you know, start with ace, go to two, or king, and then so on and so forth. Uh, and at the same time, you are a jockey in a uh, horse derby that you have to race your horse at the same time. Uh, so uh, it's not as complicated as I'm trying to make it seem, but it is just madly addictive and Man, it, overall, it's probably one of my favorite games overall this year. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, <laughs> I think it's really complicated at the very beginning. Like when you're, it throws a lot at you in the tutorial super quickly. Yeah, and, but a but, horse, of course, helps you out, and I think a horse, <laughs> of course, is one of the best characters of the year too. Uh, yes. Uh, so yeah, like that game, once you get the hang of it, is is very rewarding. What I what I really like is is the the horse breeding aspect of it of yeah there's the way you play the solitaire game affects the way your horse races like you're you're actually the jockey telling it to go faster at different times and and there are different race mechanics that are going on but at the same time you're racing a horse that has stats of its own yeah and and the lineage that you get out of these horses because once once you're done racing them or once they've kind of hit their peak of racing then you can kind of retire them and start using them to breed a new generation of horses that will have even better stats. Yeah, uh, oddly familiar to another uh, game that will probably come up in, the, <laughs> in our talks. But uh, yeah, it's just it it for the price, it's like six to seven bucks on the 3ds. Uh, and like I said, if you can get this on something else, buy it on something else because man, it's just. Pick up and play quick. Matches last maybe between three to not even maybe even two to three or five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it just is such a surprise. It's why it's probably one of my favorite games. Period this yeah. year. I mean, now that we have Super Mario Run out for iOS devices, I could totally see Nintendo if if this does if Super Mario Run does well, which it seems to be doing okay from from what I've seen in its first few days. Uh, then yeah, I could totally see them making a port of Pocket Card Jockey and throwing it out there and saying, "Hey, remember the Pokemon people? They made this other game too." Yeah, I mean they, they did. Uh, was it Trumbo the Bat? Uh, Trumbo the Badass Elephant yeah. on uh, and, PS4 and with, uh, Sega. So uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised why they didn't put it out on iOS. But like at the same time, I kind of just like it on the 3DS just because I have those two screens. It's you know a little bit more real estate uh, and getting that finer. Uh, just trying to you know get the right card because you could screw up and you know miss the card or something like that if you're uh doing it really fast and yeah that, man this, i just want to play that game right now so <laughs> we should probably move on yeah I, th- I think that's a great call um so i mean keeping keeping on the 3ds keeping on kind of these uh i, I guess i wouldn't call pocket card jockey really a puzzle game because there's 
It's it's more just plain solitaire. I, I don't know. What what would you even and racing like? and luck and you know skill a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a little like a, a casino game. Yeah, it's a, it's a card game essentially, with, with and then a, it just mixes in like yeah, you got to maneuver the horse around and uh, get into the right zone to you know get the best uh, stamina uh, to get you know get along in the race, but. I mean, there's a lot of factors involved. There's a lot of crazy things that happen that you don't expect, and you're just like, I play a perfect game of solitaire, for example, in uh, one of the perfect comfort zones, and you get, like, super unity power that just you mow down every other horse in your end. It's just completely wacky and off the walls <laughs> and just just such a great surprise. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those big surprise things that kind of came out of nowhere. It looked really weird, and then anyone who tried it was was pretty charmed by it. I haven't heard anybody say that they didn't like it. Um, yeah, it, it can be a little unfair, but like you said, you have to get into the breeding aspect and breed better horses to get, you know, it's, it's just a matter of, like, stats at that point. For sure. Uh, so from po- Pocket Card Jockey, uh, let's move on to a true puzzle game here, uh, Picross 3D Round 2. This was another big surprise that Nintendo just kind of dropped out of nowhere this year. Yeah, one one I wish I had I tried. I've never tried a Pacross game, and I I feel like this was probably the one that I should have picked up, but I probably will get to a later time. Yeah, it's it's totally up there. So this Pacross 3D round two, uh, I, I I might say try Pacross 3D, the original one that came out for the mm. DS first. Uh, okay. Because uh, round two adds uh, a new element, and it's it's rounded pieces. So Pacross. So general Pacross, basic Pacross, like uh, Mario's Pacross for the Game Boy, or the Pacross E games that are all eShop games uh, on the 3DS, uh, that takes a 2D plane. It's somewhat like Sudoku in that you're trying to chip away uh, panels to make a shape. And, huh. and, and it's all kind of on a Sudoku-like board. Um, now, Pacross 3D, when it came out for DS, that took... It, it added that extra third dimension, and now you're chipping away at blocks to kind of have this to to break away and find the sculpture that was inside. And and round two, what they've done is is now they've added. Uh, so before there were blue numbers, and the blue numbers told you which which you know things were how many blocks were in this row or in this column that needed to stay there, and and round two has now added red numbers as well as the same blue numbers to show some rounded pieces that are also in there. Before it was all pixely, boxy based, and now they've they've tried to make the the actual shapes that you end up with uh, a little more realistic. I mean, they're still cartoony and and whatever, but um, but adding these rounded shapes in there has added a new layer of strategy and depth of, of knowing you know, how many red numbers are in here, but you also know how many blue numbers, and you kind of understand how the shapes come together. It's, <laughs> honestly, it's pretty tough to explain uh, through an audio format. It sounds a little like Minesweeper almost. Yeah, I, I would say slightly, that's slightly. fair. Sure. Um, but... I mean, so Pacross 3D was a huge hit when it came out for the DS and sold tons of copies. They got featured in commercials with, you know, Carrie Underwood and, and 
Beyonce or who I forgot all the people that they had in there. One of them, one of yeah, them. Did I, I remember what you're talking about. I just I can't remember. That was the game, huh? Yeah, it was. It was a huge huh. game. Like that and Nintendogs and Brain Brain Age were yes. all that huge thing that that pumped up the DS uh, really big at the at the beginning. Um, and and they made a second one. They made a second Procross 3D, and it only came out in Japan. And it's America never got it. It, it was for 3DS. It was um, I think it was last year, maybe two years ago. And I forgot that my 3DS was region locked because I tried importing the the Japanese version of of uh, Picross 3D2, and it it just it didn't work. Uh. And I was very sad. Um, huh. but only a couple months after that did they announce round two, which is the same game, but, um, round two is, is not a retail game. Um, it's, it's only available on the eShop, which I guess mitigates some of Nintendo's costs. But yeah, this was something that I think they just showed at a Nintendo direct and like, yeah, Hey, um, this is out now. You want to buy it? You can go play it right now. And, and that was, that was just a huge, awesome surprise for me of, Oh man, finally that game that I've been wanting and a ton of people have been wanting is, is out now. And it's really good. Um, we've, I think we've talked on this podcast before about my reluctance on Nintendo puzzle sequels. Um, and I know we're going to talk about Box Box Boy here in a second, and maybe we can get into it a little bit more then, but I have not really been a fan of sequels to Nintendo puzzle games. Um, mm, you're talking like Tetris 2 and... Uh, uh, I mean, more, more recent than that. I'm talking more mm. about how Crashmo was such a disappointment after Pushmo. Yeah, I still haven't played that one yet. And I did not particularly... I, I, Box Box Boy is fine. Um, but I, I don't think I love it nearly as much as I loved the first. Um, mm. and, and knowing that I was really scared to go in to a direct sequel to another Nintendo puzzle game. And I feel like, I feel like they hit the right balance this time with, uh, round across 3d round two, because it feels, it has enough of the original in there that makes you feel nostalgic and it comes back to you and you understand all the tricks and, how to do things, but adding those red rounded numbers uh, does change up the way you play in a in a nice way that that makes it feel fresh while still maintaining that nostalgia. So it was it's a really well done puzzle game. Uh, I believe it's I, I think it's thirty or forty dollars, which is steep for something on the eShop. Uh, but you have to go know going in that this is a huge game that was a retail game in Japan. And you're actually you're getting a very full experience. There are a ton of puzzles. I've barely scratched the surface of that game, and and that's something I know that I'll continually go back to in 2017 and beyond because that's there's just so much, so many puzzles there, and there's mm. a lot to play. Yeah, the, the price is the reason I didn't pick it up because, like like you said, it, it's a forty dollar game on the eShop, and uh, that and the the new Rhythm Heaven game that came out was also like a, the same kind of price and. Both I've been hearing really great things about, but again, they're games I have not played anything in the series, and I'm just like, mm, yeah, I got other things to play at the moment. Yeah, right. committing to other projects. Uh, I did play a little bit of uh, Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix, and mm. and it's fun. Uh, I'm I'm always terrible at those games. I've tried uh, Rhythm Ten Goku, the the first one that was on the Game Boy Advance. Um, I've tried Rhythm Heaven on the DS, and I'm just 
bad. <laughs> I, mm. I'm not got no rhythm. I I guess not. Like I'm I'm okay at rock band. Like I I can play. I, I like Parappa. Like I, I like some of those games. And for whatever reason, uh, like I just was terrible at Rhythm Heaven, and I I just can't get over it. I and for me, I would rather just play WarioWare any chance I got because it's that same style of thing where you're playing these very small bite-sized games and but for for warrior where it's more of a puzzle to figure out what to do and and to do it quickly uh whereas this one is all about rhythm reaction and man i I don't know maybe maybe i'm just out of rhythm but i was not great at it uh even though i can can tell that it is a great game in there and and maybe i'll go back and, and give it a shot in 2017 but um it, like you said, it, it's another one of those expensive eShop titles that is thirty or forty bucks, and that's yeah. I can and be, it's not that the seen. fact that it's on the eShop that I'm hesitant. It's just that I have so much other, so much else to play right now. Right. Yep. I, that's that was the theme of 2016 for me. It, There's I mean, a lot. It still is. There's so much stuff out there. I, handheld games. Yes. Like I'm playing a ton of those right now. But I'm also trying to play through Final Fantasy 15. I'm also trying Same. to play Let It Die. I'm trying to uh, catch up in some of the new Destiny content. Like, there's, there's so many... Last Guardian just came out. Yeah, I ugh, there's so many damn. I games. finally, I finally got through Uncharted three, and I finally am starting Uncharted four <laughs> at the perfect time. Ugh, so much stuff. Um, all right, well, let's move on. Um, uh, since I alluded to it before, let's move on to Box Box Boy. Mm. You tell me why this is a great game, and I will humbly disagree with you. <laughs> I can I can already tell because it. I, I will preface this with like there were a lot of sequels this year. Like we have Ozzy uh, Striker of Gunvolt Two, another game I really really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fire Emblem Fates, and it, it's like a lot of these games are kind of top heavy with mechanics that they did in the past game and like oh now you can do one extra thing uh like you said with the latest picross game is kind of the same way uh i feel box box boy though definitely it's just that one little extra thing that changes up everything and yes that one extra thing is now you get a whole extra set of boxes to use in the same puzzle but i i just felt like it's more of the same thing that was really good that i enjoyed with just enough extra that made it yeah, this is a game that you should really play, uh, especially if you like the first one. That, that's pretty much uh, the crux of my argument. And, and that's fair. And I'm going to have this weird response to you that doesn't seem fair because it's probably not fair. And like, when I, as I was playing this, I guess I was expecting a little bit more because mm. what Box Box Boy feels to me is like DLC for the first game. Ah, that's fair. That, and, that, but it's still very cheap. That's the thing. It's like a, you would pay this for a DLC for any game. Right. And and that's why my argument's not fair. Is because <laughs> even if I viewed this as DLC, then I should be fine. Like, I didn't pay more for it. It's not a big deal. But I think I think it's more that there's just been so much time between the first game and this game that, you know, if if we'd gotten this piecemeal, if we'd gotten... You know, here's two worlds for two bucks, and they they brought that out every uh, couple months or so. Eh. Then I think I probably would have been more into it, almost like uh, Hitman this year, where it it Uh. went out episodically. And, you know, hey, there's a lot of stuff to do right now, and you can play this little bit, 
and then you can put it put it away for a little bit, and then you can come back later when we put out the next small piece of content. I that, think that, that that's kind of a big difference, though, because like like you said with Hitman, there's a lot to do in that small little bit. In Box Box Boy, there's it's still there's one solution to pretty much every puzzle, uh, or it's very like contrained right. in how you solve this puzzle. And I just feel that it's just it's more like like I said, more of the same and just adds just enough plus i also feel like a a very big difference from the first game the like just the challenge of it ranks up a little bit more uh towards the beginning and like i'm still going through it right now and i'm like it's there's still puzzles i'm going like well this i need just to like to think for a minute and i just will not i refuse to look at a guide or use the hints for any of these uh uh, game uh, this game right here but if you just think at it and look at it and like you know, try to solve it within the constraints of how this game works and what you have it yeah it, it still just is just very very solid it's amazing yeah i, I mean i i'm with you i i can't believe i'm comparing box boy to uh hotline miami but <laughs> it, it feels very similar where it it expects you to remember all the strategy stuff from the first game because I mean, for me, a... I picked it up right away. That that might be a big difference. Yeah, I. Yeah, I don't know. I. I I, I liked it. I liked it for sure. <laughs> but it just it didn't stick with me the same way the first game did. I I was uh, super addicted to the original Box Boy and played through played through it in only a few sessions because I played a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And and this one. Maybe it's something that I need to just play every few days and play just a little bit of it and take a break from. But I tried jumping in again, uh, diving headfirst into it, and I just found myself kind of bouncing off it a little bit. Um, mm. But, I, I mean, I, I applaud HAL Laboratory for doing anything that's not Kirby. Not because they don't do good Kirby games, and we'll get to that in a second, but uh, just that I, I, like, I like when they're going out on a limb. And Box Boy was a great going out on a limb game, and I guess, I guess maybe I wanted them to go out on a limb again instead of going out on that same limb with Box. Yeah, Boy. you're you're expecting like something else to happen, and like to be fair, I have not finished this game. Maybe something else does happen. Uh, I haven't heard any indication. Like uh, for example, Titanfall Two. I played the campaign of that just because. Uh, uh, for example, Jeff Grubb used the analogy, this is the Super Mario Galaxy 2 of uh, first-person shooters. I'm like, oh, that sounds uh, like, uh, weird. And he, he's kind of right. And there are like things that generally surprise me in that game uh, that I'm still like, man, I, I kind of really want to play through that again. And the first Box Box Boy, I never really kind of went back to to doing like, the speedrun stuff. It's kind of like once I solve the puzzle, that's kind of it. And I kind of like 100% of that game in that sense. I hundred percent that game that I'm done with it. Right. This it's more of that with puzzles that just adds such a layer to it that just it it feels fresh even though it is the same coat of paint. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, I, I will definitely load it up again um, and and play some more. I believe is this so is uh, I, there was a news story. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is hmm. there going to be a retail version of Box Box Boy? Oh, I haven't read that. I don't know. Because I, I thought I saw something that there's some retail version because it comes with a Box Boy Amiibo. Oh no! And I think I need that. Yeah. <laughs> he's, don't I, don't say about Amiibo. Let's not let's not go there. Yeah, he's just a white cube, but he's awesome. <laughs> like I love mm-hmm. I love the character of Box Boy. 
for sure. Uh, so that that might have to be a thing. I, I did you did you unlock any of the comics in the in the game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I th- I find those charming. They're okay. Yeah, for sure. And and I definitely like the hats. Uh, a Japanese humor too. <laughs> yeah, they're they're a little oddball, uh, and and some of the jokes you might not get right away, but uh, they're 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 fun. They're, they're absolutely fun. And I and I like the hats a lot. Um, New cat, new outfits, yeah, it, and you, anything that you to add, anything that you got from the first game carries over to this game. So if you unlock like the ninja costume or the wizard costume, or and I think that kind of hurt it though, like that. Just don't use it. I like I when I saw that, I was like, oh, I could use that, but I'm like, but I don't want to. I want to just experience this. Like this is the limits I have. I know. I should but solve it with this many, you know. It's so uh, blocks. So it's so hard for me to to not take an advantage if a game gives me one. Uh, so so to get the bunny hat again that lets you jump an extra block higher or to get the uh the wizard that lets you create an extra block that you normally wouldn't be able to uh it was really hard not to uh not to use those maybe maybe that's maybe that's it maybe that's what kind of soured my enjoyment on it is that no, I, like was I just like said no nope, not gonna do it and uh, continue to enjoy the game you have more willpower than i do mm-hmm. um all right yeah, let, let's move on let's talk about kirby this is a game that neither of us have played. <laughs> but we do want to play. Cause we absolutely want to play. I, I, we love Kirby. We talked a few different times over this year uh, out, outside of the podcast. Like, hey man, uh, we should both get this game and play it. We did our Kirby Triple Deluxe podcast. This would be another great podcast to do. Uh, like, let's, let's make it happen. And then neither of us bought it. Because <laughs> we were busy yeah. doing other stuff or, or things were going on. Uh, but we can't deny that this is a good game. Like we, Kirby's a known quantity. Like the, these games are always solid, and I think robots we, are awesome. Robots so, are awesome. I'll give you that. <laughs> Kirby plus robots equals. I'm guessing one of the best games of the year. It's for probably the a great game. So. We've we've both heard from from different sources that yes, this this game is good. You should play this game. It's it is a really good Kirby game, not just. Not just uh, another Kirby game, but a really good one of those. Um, and it gives me a lot of... Uh, it, it reminds me a lot of my favorite Kirby game of all time, and that's Kirby's Dream Land 2, uh, in that the robot kind of acts like the animals, uh, the the pets that you'd get, where the robot, when, once you're in the robot suit... Uh, it's Kirby Planet Robobot, sorry, we haven't actually said the name. Um but once you get into the mech suit and you get a new power, the powers in the robot are different than the powers when Kirby is by himself. And that is very much a mechanic from Dreamland 2 that I loved. Like, oh, I have the cutter tool with Kirby is just kind of throwing a boomerang. But when you have the owl coup with you and you use the cutter tool, now it is three feathers that he throws in, in different directions. Uh-huh. And, and I just love that little variation on it. So... That is that's definitely something that when there's might be a price drop, which you know Nintendo's not known for doing price drops. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I got when I got Triple Deluxe, I got it on Amazon, and it was like you know practically half off. So there you can find deals. Yeah, and every once in a while, Nintendo does like an eShop sale thing where they'll they'll put some good games that are maybe a little older. Uh, up for for some pretty good prices, so I, I could totally I, I'd, see that. I'd probably go with the physical copy though. That that box art's pretty awesome. That's true. That's, that is true. Uh, 
he gets those good Kirby angry eyes that, that America always gets. Um, so yeah, a, a game that probably would have cracked your top five, knowing how much you love Kirby, and I bet it would have shown up somewhere on my top ten. Uh, but yeah, that's that's a that's a, a good game that neither of us have played. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, where do you want to go from here, Matt? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I just want to mention, like I said, I, two things that I feel about 2016 is it's the year of the JRPG, and it's also the year of the sequel. Like there were like as as many great games that there were this year, a lot of them were sequels. Let's be honest. Like, right. Uh, uh, from my from games list. on my list that have been sequels like Box Box Boy, uh, another one, Azure Strike of Gumball Two, again sequel, but still really really good. So kind of bucking the trend too. Yeah, I, I think there are only two, well one and a half games on this list that I wrote up of of big games and games that I liked that um, that aren't sequels, uh, and one of those is like a newish game in a franchise. So it's kind of a sequel, but I'm giving it, let's just talk about that one. Cause that's another one that neither of us have played. And maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the, uh, the fervor over it. Uh, you have any guesses of what I'm talking about, Matt? Uh, there's so many guesses. Cause <laughs> man, as much as I love handheld gaming, I did not play as nearly as much as I have in the past. Cause there's been so much on the PS4 that I've been catching up on since I got it. Like, uh, the beginning of the year. So, uh, Fire Emblem we haven't mentioned, but we both played that. Uh, do Dragon Quest? Nope, nope. I'm nope. talking about Metroid Prime Federation Force. Oh, damn, I totally forgot about that game. I, I think that's better that you did. I, I, I don't know. Well, no, because I, like, from reading about that game, it's something I am interested in. It's just, it's, I've heard it's played better with people, and it's just so hard to, like, get that kind of thing going, especially on, like, a four-player. Or was it three-player? Uh, uh, I can't remember. But see? Yes. I don't even know. But, well, neither of us uh, have played it, so that's... Yeah. <laughs> we shouldn't. Uh, basically, a multiplayer co-op game's a lot harder to get into when it's not, like, you know, it's something like Destiny or uh, Halo or something like that. But, yeah, it, it, the 3DS is not always the best for trying to get together and play games over the internet, and especially when you're trying to play a game focused around multiplayer on local co-op, that's even harder to right. get together. Yep. Uh, like again, at least in our society. So yeah, we're not in Japan. It, in Japan, I, I hear that it's a lot easier. Um, yep. But yeah, it's certainly in, a game that I heard things about that I'm like, that sounds cool, and that's really something I would be interested in. It's like it's I have no interest in like uh, the Zelda game that came out last year, uh, Triforce Heroes. Yeah. That you yep. know, I don't want to play a single player version of that because that's pretty much how I would play it. So, right. And and I uh, think, it was a pass unfortunately. I think kind of the consensus I have heard and, and we actually have a list on Gamers on the Go right now, a top five list from Harrison Milfeld who was on a previous show. Uh, and he put it as number five. Uh, yeah, I read that. That was like good. He he enjoyed the game. Um, but I feel like the consensus I have heard, and I think he would agree from from his write up that I read, that this game might have been better served if it wasn't a Metroid game. Like if you if it didn't come with all the preconceived notions that people have with Metroid, if it didn't have all the fanboys in a tizzy that they were getting a new Metroid and then this is the new Metroid they're getting, and that, I feel like that hurt it a lot. And if this was just like a new concept, multiplayer, shootery, competitive, cooperative thing, maybe 
maybe it would have been a little bit more forgettable. Maybe Nintendo wouldn't have made the money they made on it just by having that Metroid name recognition. But I, I don't feel like people would have had as much of a backlash to it if it wasn't this sacred cow that is Metroid for, for some But time. they had Blast Ball with it, too. Sure. They tried, they introduced <laughs> this as its own thing and then added this, like, Metroid thing, like, on top. And this, this isn't the first time they've done uh, a sort of game that seems like it could have been something else and then suddenly added a uh, franchise skin over it. Yeah. Uh, think, like, Star Fox Adventures, for Kirby's example. Epic Yarn, yeah. Like, it, either of those are good examples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I'm, like, for me, like, I'm a huge Metroid fan and I was still kind of interested because I am kind of, like, interested in how... Their, their setting in this like world that they built around Metroid, like what is the Federation like? And that would be something like I would be kind of interested in looking into, even if it is like a multiplayer co-op kind of game, like again, some indication of what uh, that aspect is like, uh, just as much as I'd be interested in learning about the space pirates or other aspects of this uh, the setting that they've created yeah, uh, in past a, games. It's an interesting universe. And mm-hmm. even though I'm not the biggest Metroid fan, I can still appreciate how how interesting the bounty hunters are. I really like. Uh, I mean, we've we've had our show on it before, but Metroid Prime Hunters, the the uh, DS game, where you get to play as some of the different bounty hunters that they all introduced in that game. But you can see, like Samus Samus Aran is not the only bounty hunter out there. There are others, and there there are all these cool alien races that have different abilities, and and that was kind of neat. Yeah, and it's always nice to see like things like that. Like, but yeah, I like I understand the backlash behind this, but at the same time, I was just like, grow, grow up. Yeah, just grow up. Well, let's let's quickly get through a few other games that neither of us have played, just to kind of mention mention them, give them their due. Uh, maybe something that we'd like to try in 2017. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. Dragon Quest. There was a new Dragon Quest. Well, there was a new old Quote Dragon Quest <laughs> this year. Uh, Dragon Quest Seven, and I love that they always have crazy off-the-wall subtitles. This was Dragon Quest Seven: Fragments of the Forgotten Past. Um, <laughs> I bought it. I bought it with the intention of playing it, and it's <laughs> it's been sitting there because not long after it came out, uh, Pokemon came out, and you know the, I can't I can't in good conscience not play the new Pokemon. Um, and then another surprise thing came up, so. Uh, that is definitely a 2017 or a Christmas break game that I'm I'm looking forward to. Uh, I know that it takes a lot of time. <laughs> There's a lot of hours to be put into that. Hey, they they cut it down by three quarters <laughs> to to complete it now. So yeah, uh, from what I heard, uh, yeah, uh, it, there was a lot of like. Japanese role-playing games that I wanted to play this year, Bravely Second among them, but like I said, I have not played the first Bravely First, even though, uh, or Bravely, Bravely Default, I'm sorry, uh, it's, uh, but I own it, so I gotta get to that before I get to the sequel. Well, let's, let's uh, jump into that. Like, I, I, yeah. I did play Bravely Second, and I've played a lot of Bravely Default, and I love that game despite its incredible flaws. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, Bravely Second, <sighs> More, more sequelitis? Yes and no. I, it, See? 2016. It's it's exactly the same as the first game. <laughs> in mm. in all the ways that I would talk about it. In it's The combat 
of Bravely Second is amazing. They made it even better than Bravely Default, which I thought at the time was pretty damn amazing. Uh, so somehow they made it even better. Fantastic. Combat is sublime. The classes, the, the character classes that you can switch to are great. Uh, even better than the first game, which again, were already great. So they, they made the things that were awesome about Bravely Default even better. New high highs from Bravely Second, and yet the, the lows they seem to find even lower. <laughs> like, Bra- Bravely Default has a, a twist in it that comes like in this, the last third of the game, last third, last quarter, something of the game like that. And it sucks. Uh, and it doesn't suck so much from a story perspective as it much as a gameplay thing. And I'm trying not to spoil things for you if you if you do end up playing these games. Because they are really good games for the most part. <laughs> um, but this they have these things that sour them. So, um, yeah, in Brave Default, there's a twist. And mechanically, it's really not fun and can and can really wear on you. And in Bravely Second, there's another twist, which is kind of impressive that they were able to pull off another twist uh, based on, like, now now I'm ready for there to be a twist. Like, what what are you going to do now, <laughs> Bravely franchise? Like, I, I'm expecting this now. And they were able to pull off another twist that I can, uh, you know, great job, awesome. Like, way to, way to get me again. But uh, mechanically, again... It's just, it just took me out of it, and uh, it was so disappointing to to have it happen again. Like, I'll give you a preview of my top ten list, because this game's in it. Like, this game's in it. It's it's that good, but that disappointing. Right, exactly. It's in it, and it's kind of high. But I I actually take out, uh, I use a quote from I think it was 2014, my 2014 game of the year list where I talked about Bravely Default, and I take out the same paragraph and I say, "Yep, this basically applies to this game too." So I'm just gonna say it again. <laughs> and oh man, it's it's such a good game to be disappointed like that at the end again is a real bummer. Oh. And it just left me it left me feeling the same way I did with the first game of. Well, it had a lot of really good stuff, and maybe they'll fix it for the next game. And now I'm thinking, well, this had a lot of really great stuff, and well, maybe they'll fix it for the next game. <laughs> uh, and when I, they... I, I kind of felt the same way about uh, Aja Striker Gunvolt 2, yeah. uh, which is another game I really enjoyed this year, but like I said, sequel after sequel following sequel, like, you know, you build upon one game and then you add the things that you just like are like why did you add this uh but to be fair to this the credit of this game uh a little context uh uh as a striker gumbold is made by uh intel uh, nt creates uh which is the same developer uh, slash uh kind of group think like kj nafune is part of who is quote-unquote one of the fathers of Mega Man. mm-hmm and, uh, yeah, the, another game came out this year, which I didn't play, had no interest in playing, uh, Mighty <laughs> Number no. 9. Yeah. Which, from what I've gathered, would seem a lot like Oscar Striker Gumball 2, but 
for whatever reason, it makes things like like uh, I'm I'm trying to put this in a delicate way, but uh, you know, for context, but like Mega Man games in the past, like start off really great, like you have two and three, two of the greatest games ever made, and then ha- like towards the end, we have things like oh, we're gonna talk a lot. Uh, same with the Mega Man X games. We, we got to have story and tons of talking. Yeah. And just plot details that just go like, okay, yeah, whatever. That's cool. I just want to get to the crux of the game, which is actually playing it. Right. I want to know uh, what the eight robot bosses are. I want to know their dumb names. And I want to take their abilities and use their abilities against somebody else. Yes. I don't care what Septima is. I don't care <laughs> what... Why... I have to have a connection with Julie or like other things. I just want to get to like the meat and potatoes of this game, but I will give it a little credit. You can turn all that off. Like you can turn most of the in-game dialogue off. Uh, But if you are into that kind of stuff, it's there. Like they actually add voice acting. It's in Japanese, but it's a nice little flourish. A game looks amazing for the 3ds. It still is one of those games where you are constantly trying to get the best score or the best kind of, uh, like run for each level, and they also add in uh, a Proto Man kind of, you know, pretty much like Mega Man. This Proto Man, but Copen you can play as in this game, and he's completely different. He dashes around instead of tagging enemies and striking them with uh, electricity like Gunvolt does. You uh, dash into him to lock on, and then you shoot them with a like lock on uh, laser, which is just it changes up everything. And it's amazing. Nice. So. I'm imagining that you would say for somebody who has uh, played and gone through the Mega Man Legacy Collection, wasn't that this year too? Didn't that come out? Uh, yes, that. Year? but that was like Mega Man 1 through 6, where they didn't really have the problems of like, oh, now we need to interrupt you with right. dialogue in the middle of a level and distract you. Yes. Uh, like but that later is on... Mega Man games on like PlayStation and... Right. X two and three. The uh, collection, the the legacy collection, is on 3ds. You can play that. So if you're a big Mega Man fan, it's it's hard not to uh, recommend that because that's. Uh, I know there's a lot of history, uh, historical stuff that they've added into that game too. A lot of uh, like sound test stuff and concept art and a lot of good uh, fan servicey things for for people who really like that franchise. But if you're a person who loves Mega Man and you know has the Legacy Collection, but wants something new as well, um, maybe you were burned by Mighty Number no. Nine. Um, were you Chase? I was not. I, I don't. Uh, I'm not good at Mega Man. I'm not. Uh, I, I like Mega Man X, and I play through Mega Man's one, two, and three every once in a while. Uh, I don't beat them because I'm not good at them. <laughs> um, but uh, I also really like uh, Mega Man V for for Game Boy, uh, which is different than Five. Uh, I did a podcast on that, that was a really early one. Um, but yeah, I, I like that one as well. Uh, but I've I've never been a huge Mega Man fan, so uh, I was not a Mighty Number no. Nine dude. I didn't back the Kickstarter or anything like that. And then when it came out to kind of eh, reviews, I went okay, yeah, that's not something I need to worry about. But yeah. Uh, I remember how fondly you talked about the first uh, Gunvolt game, and uh, is I'm guessing this is this is something it's, that you still think people should play, right? 
this it's more of the same and you can now get it as a physical copy with both one and two pretty pretty cheap you can find it for less than 30 bucks now nice uh, i think it was like 17 on amazon recently so uh if you have not played it i highly recommend it and like i said like it has the kind of problems later Mega Man games have down the line of like talking too much and but like I said, you can skip it all, you can turn it off if you want to and just focus on the just uh, straight up uh, time attack, score attack uh, mechanics of this game. They kind of improved the level design from the first one. you know some in the first game were uninspiring. this one they try to improve upon it and it it feels more of like a lived in world than kind of a uh, the first one you had some sort of sense of uh, of a Mega Man level, but it just felt uninspired. This one, it still feels a little uninspired, but it's a little better. And like I said, you add in Copen to the mix of this game, and it like Box Box Boy, it's adding one extra thing on top of it, but it definitely changes up the entire game. So it's pretty great. Cool. Uh, well, I'm going to run through a couple. Uh a couple more sequels here that things mm. that I either haven't played or barely played. Um, if, if you have any comments on them, feel free to, to throw them in, but I kind of just want to acknowledge that these games came out um, and, and, you know, say a few words if, if there's something that I, I feel like I uh, want to stick with or maybe try out in the new year or beyond. Um, but let's see. Um, so there was another Yokai watch game that came out. I did not play the first Yokai watch uh, but there were two Yokai watches, in fact, that came out this year. They they did the Pokemon thing this time. Um, Yokai Watch Two: Bony Spirits or Fleshy Souls. Um, and, and I don't know. I I don't feel like I need another Pokemon style game in my life. Um, but that I, I hear good things. Uh, I like yeah, I like their approach to combat. Um, so that's that's something. Um, we had uh, another Monster Hunter came out this year. Uh, I So I tried uh, Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate for the 3DS. That was an early early 3DS game. Or not really early, but it was, it was a few years ago. Um, and I tried. I'd never played a Monster Hunter before, and I thought, well, this, this is going to be the one. I'll, I'll get into it. And I did not get into it. <laughs> I very much did not get into it. Um, and then I heard the same kind of stuff about four and uh, or four ultimate that came to the 3ds later, and uh, I didn't get sucked into that one. Uh, but I heard again good things. I it seems like every single time one of these comes out, you hear from the the Monster Hunter faithful going like, "Oh, well, this is the best one to jump in if you're new to the series." Like they've yeah. done they've done so much better stuff on the tutorializing. You don't have to go read somebody's PDF or buy somebody's. $10 guide on the internet to, to get this. You don't, you don't necessarily have to watch the YouTube videos just to learn how to play. And I've been hearing that each year, but now we got monster hunter generations and it sounds like this might be the real deal of being the, the accessible one that people can jump into. Yeah. I, I mean, I heard that, like, I'll give a quick anecdote because I no longer work for that place. But, uh, when I was working at GameStop, uh, our store got like 20 copies the day the uh, game came out, mm-hmm. had about roughly six pre-orders, seven pre-orders, eight pre-orders, something like that sold out by the end of the day. Cause word of mouth when that game came out was like, Oh, this is like the one to get into, uh, and yeah, we we had a steady, had a steady stream of them come in, and 
would sell out quickly. So it kind of, from what I've heard, is a good one to get started on. Yeah, I, that, that's awesome. It, I mean, it's great to hear because I know that that was uh, before. It was like this this game from Japan that only Japanese people seem to get or understand or like. And and I think the this whole, I mean, not to not to make everything Dark Souls because that's what everyone does, but. No, but the analogy holds for I, us too. Yeah, I feel like Dark Souls really changed the way people view video games in general, and I, I think that a crowd of Dark Souls people, or at least some of that conversation, has seeped into. Hey, you know what else kind of has this animation priority and is you know difficult but very rewarding if you really stick with it, and that's Monster Hunter. Maybe you should give it a shot. Um, and Generations, I believe. The the name implies that you're you're going back to a lot of previous stuff, and I I think it's kind of a nostalgic trip of, you know, hey, here's Rathalos, who is <laughs> I think that's the only yeah. the only monster I know from Monster Hunter, um, <laughs> but I I remember, and that's only because I played Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker, and that's <laughs> that's a real real weird roundabout way to understand anything about Monster Hunter, but. Um, mm. Uh, yeah, so like, good, good on those guys for getting a yeah. game that they they really enjoy. I, I think to the point that we made before about uh, Federation Force is it's so hard to find a game like that that is cooperative. Like it's it's so hard to find people to play. No, you just with. you need to have people that are committed. Like okay, we'll meet on this time on this day. Do I just don't really have the time and more of a like if I'm going to play something online, it needs to be pick up and go. Or if you're on at the same time as me. Yeah. And the 3DS is not as conducive uh, still, uh, like, like consoles are or PC is. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's definitely a matter of not having the time, and then I just don't have the crew of friends who who own 3DSs and want to jump into a game like that. And, and I feel like if I had three or four dedicated people that I knew who all wanted to do this at once i'd say you know what okay i'm gonna do it too and and give it a shot but yeah uh, it's also a time commitment thing too because like these are uh, games that take like oh we're gonna have to do this for like 22 an hour maybe even longer whereas something like smash brothers for example we can play no like for five or ten minutes yeah it's like a game that is that is constant raiding like that's all you do is is go on raids um, yeah, and but that sounds like for me that sounds really awesome to play that on the go. But yeah, 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 I, I, it just doesn't fit into what I'm playing at the moment. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, Monster Hunter Generations. If you're into that, that is that is one of the best ones of those that I hear. Um, and then I want to give a quick shout out to uh, a game that one of my friends really likes and is uh, a frequent guest of this podcast, Tyler Fromm. Um, he has told me all sorts of great things about Shin Megami Tensei Four Apocalypse, mm. which is a kind of sequel to Shin Megami Tensei Four, which uh, came out for 3DS a few years ago, I think. Something like that. Yeah, I I actually just picked that game up, too. And Apocalypse? a friend gave me the uh, special edition extra, so I kind of own the special edition of that game, but still have not... Uh, put it into my 3DS to play it just because I was just so busy playing games from this year. Yeah. Uh, oh, you mean the original the the SMT4? Yep. yep. So I have I have that as well. Like I I have the the uh, box copy that comes with a soundtrack or something and all. Yep, the, that's all the, the stuff. same one I've got now. Like I, I have that and I've just had it on my shelf for a long time and I bought it 
I bought it after I beat Persona 4 Golden on my Vita oh. and went, wow, wow. I'd never played one of these Atlas RPGs. Uh, I mean, I played Persona 3 a little bit before, but I didn't have a really good experience and I didn't know a lot. But but playing through Persona 4 like changed my worldview on that stuff. Man, I want to play another one of these right away. And I bought that and then did not play it. <laughs> and oh. it's it's forever been on my pile of shame. Um, but from what Ty has told me, uh, and he's told me quite a bit, um, this is a this is a really good game. Uh, it's got some some kind of story issues with it where it might go a little too crazy and and maybe uh, contradicts itself a little bit in the ways of of some of these enemies who should should maybe not be enemies. <laughs> um, I, I, it's kind of tough to explain, um, but it's. It's not just a retelling of four. It is. It is a new game. It is a new story. And I, I actually, I kind of, I guess they kind of do themselves a little bit of a disservice by throwing the four on there because it's because that makes me feel like it's just an updated version of of the uh, the fourth one when it, it's kind of a whole new experience from what I'm. Doing. Yeah, that that's what I've heard as well too. So I'm kind of glad I do own four because I do intend to get to it because I've heard nothing but really good things about the Shimigami Tensei series as far as, like, game mechanics and a JRPG and uh, that sort of, like, kind of like a Pokemon aesthetic to it as well, too. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, like, I played parts of Persona 4, and it's a game I intend to finish at some point, but I kind of always had the idea, like, oh, yeah, it's a Shimigami Tensei game, but it's a different type of Shimigami Tensei game. Exactly. And it's definitely its own thing. Right. Uh, so for for the SMT series, uh, this year I played Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Which I did too. I'm still playing that. That is such a good game. That is one of the best games this year. One might say. Like, like I said, 2016 <laughs> game year of the JRPG. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I ended up playing TMS instead of playing SMT, uh, and and I was was okay with that. But I will I will one day get through. SMT four, and then if I enjoy it enough, I I can totally see myself playing Apocalypse too. But um, mm. but yeah, so uh, you know, congratulations, Ty, on getting getting this game that you love out there. Even if I know you had some some issues with it. Um, and then a game that I I feel bad that I haven't played because a lot of people have been putting it on their their top fives on the on the list that have been on GamersOnTheGo.com is uh, Zero Escape. Zero Time Dilemma. Yep, I actually have this too, but I have not played the earlier games, which I still own, <laughs> so oh, I need yeah. to get to those. Uh, from what I heard, it helps if you've played uh, 999, Virtuous Last Reward, and uh, what's, the, what's the second one? Uh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah Virtuous Last Reward, that's yeah. the second one. 999 is the first one, or 999 yep. colon 9... Person, nine doors, nine, nine hours, persons. nine doors. I know doors yeah. is last, but I don't remember the order of the other two. And then, yeah, yeah. Uh, Zero Escape Virtue's Last Reward was the was the second one. So, um, so yeah, Zero Time Dilemma is the third and, I guess, final chapter of the Zero Escape trilogy. Um, yeah. And it's been on it's been on a few different lists from people. In fact, uh, it it was on a list prominently on a list that came out today from uh, one Mr. Patrick Klepek. Um, on on gamers on the go, you can you can go read his top three handheld games of the year because he didn't quite have five, uh, but yeah, his is up there, and and zero time dilemma is is totally right up there. 
And I played a little bit of 999, and I get it. I get the, I get the interest. Uh, I, I haven't really played a visual novel game, and, and that one does have those puzzle elements to it. Although I guess there are iOS versions too. There, there are mobile versions that take out the puzzles. Yeah, it's just a visual novel at that point. And I don't know, like that sounds kind of appealing to me. Of like I'm, I don't know if I'm in this series for the puzzles. I think I might be in this series for what people say or like the the crazy story or the yeah how how interesting and fascinating that stuff is. And and I and these are games with multiple ending stories too. <laughs> right. Yes. So it's it always seems. It seems like this cool thing that everybody but me is into, and and I definitely feel left out. So, uh, you know, I'm going to say someday on that. I, I own 999 for the DS, and then I own Virtue's Last Reward for the Vita. And I don't know, man. Maybe maybe I'll get there at some point. Yeah. I mean, I picked them up because I found them all on the cheap, and like, I was like, oh, these are games I know I'll be interested in, and I kind of want to play them on... Uh, the DS and I got Virtual's Last Reward on the 3DS because I got it for like some like 17 bucks for a full copy. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll pick that up. Right. Uh, same with the Zero Time Dilemma. It was just like, well, I have the first to make the complete set, so when I want to play it, it's there. Yep. Uh, I did the same with uh, Ace Attorney this year. Uh, I found those games for the cheap on the original DS, and uh, they had a game that came out eShop exclusive on the 3DS that I kind of wish I was more into that game series, but. I kind of want to start from the beginning as well, too. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we uh, had another person, uh, Marcel Huang, who who came on for our Pokemon or Ruby and Sapphire episode, and he wrote in his top five uh, the new Phoenix Wright. Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Spirit of Justice uh, was in there. And there's, there's a story that I enjoy um, where I, I decided, okay, this, this was back when I was in college, I'm going to play these weird-ass DS games that I've been hearing about. And, <laughs> and I really want to get into them. And I bought uh, Phoenix Wright. I can't remember which one, because uh, I think it started on the Game Boy Advance, didn't it? Yes, in uh, Japan, but it came out like a Fire Emblem on the Game Boy Advance. It had a earlier life on different systems. Okay, okay. so the, the first U.S. Phoenix Wright was on DS, correct? Correct. Okay, correct. so I, I think I bought the first one. And then I also bought... Um, uh, uh, oh goodness, I, I remember the name until now. It's the the medical game. The uh, oh trauma, trauma center. center, yeah, trauma center under the knife. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna play both of these crazy ass Japanese games, and let's let's get it going. And I played very little of Phoenix Wright, um, not because it was bad, just because I think I was really excited to play uh, Trauma Center, and then I played a good <laughs> amount of Trauma Center. And and didn't end up finishing that one either. But I I love the idea of those games so much, <laughs> and and have never played another one because I always know that well I've got those other two and I really should go back and play through and finish those before I jump into a new one. But uh, I hear some good things about Spirit of Justice. Yeah, the, I've heard some crazy cases that happen in that game, and I'm just like that. That sounds fun. Yeah, the, the story uh, goes some places. Uh, the spirit of justice as they play on uh, that there is a ghost character that ooh. I guess is there to, to help you uh, figure out some things that 
I don't know, like they can speak with the the spirit world or something like that. I I think that might be some of the mechanic is is using the ghost person, the ghost character to uh, uh, suss out. Sounds too spoopy for me now. <laughs> Maybe just a touch. Um, but yeah, so another game that neither of us have played. I'm sure it was great, um, and and maybe someday, maybe someday Phoenix right, but it wasn't this year. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so I can say that every other game on my list is something that I have actually played uh, this year. So I I'll have some stuff to really talk about. <laughs> is there, <laughs> but before that, uh, Matt, is there anything that you'd like to to throw out as another game to talk about? Uh, just quickly, because uh, it it kind of was a. Uh, kind of like slipped under a lot of people's radar, but River City Tokyo Rumble is uh, kind of like a spiritual sequel to River City Ransom on the NES, and it is 100% like that game that you can play on the 3DS, and it's really good. Uh, A little expensive, it's another $40 uh, DS game, and kind of hard to find the cart right now, but you can get it on the eShop, obviously, for the full price. Uh, But if you can get it for like... 30 bucks, I'd say get it, because, man, it is, it's got, like, pretty much, like, River City Ransom game, but with a lot more of a story that's very tongue-in-cheek in a lot of parts, and uh, you can play dodgeball with uh, up to four people Perfect. on a share, uh, download play with the 3DS, so if you like Super Dodgeball, it's got that kind of in the game. It's, yeah, it, it, it's pretty solid uh, game, throwback title that you can get on the 3DS this year. I might have to do that. I, I really enjoyed Super Dodgeball Advance for uh, for the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, it's not... I don't think it's the exact same game, but it is... It's... it's Yeah, it's kind of a version of Dodgeball in River City uh, Ransom kind of territory, so yeah, hey. I'm great with that. I, I love I love that art style. I love the, the pixel art of those characters. Mm-hmm. And then isn't this and one it, more of an RPG? Uh, kind of. I mean, like, you can get a buddy to team up with you, and you can tell them to, you know, basic commands like, you know, help me out, back off, or, you know, go at it. Uh, I will say this, like, as far as, like, the art style and the graphics are concerned, you can uh, press the trigger buttons to change the perspective and zoom in. So if you want to get, like, a very close-up of oh, some really, wow. like, clean pixels of this game, it looks really good. Huh, that sounds pretty awesome. So like, Yeah, are you, hopefully are you actually- they... Put stats? this on the Vita or something too, because it would look great on that screen. Yeah, that would sound good. Uh, but are you building stats or putting points into stuff, or is it? Oh yeah, you're cool? leveling up. You're, uh, you know, there's stories involved. You're doing quests. It's yeah, like I said, 2016. You're the JRPG. Uh, all right, man. I I will probably end up picking that up. I. I it it like but it, the the one caveat it is very basic. It is still a like straight up beat 'em up. Uh, like say, uh, it, did you if you really enjoyed uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World uh, that came out yeah. like five years ago? Yeah, very much like that. Or okay. if you like the original uh, River City Ransom on the NES, uh, it's that, but uh, more things to do, kinda. Cool. I've, I'm actually really excited to to give that a shot. Um, Definitely. All right, I need to talk very, very quickly uh, because I, I played a tiny bit of this game and I was really excited when I started it. And I think if I'd given it more of a chance, I would have played a lot of it and really loved it. But um, So I tried Project Cross Zone 2 this year because uh, the first game sounded really cool and I, I just never ended up picking it up. But there were enough new characters that they added in the second one. Uh, that I thought, okay, I need to give this a shot. So Project Cross Zone 
is kind of like this giant crossover game from all sorts of places. Uh, there's a lot of Capcom characters in there. Uh, there's uh, some Sega characters that show up, and I think there's maybe like a couple other a couple of others from some smaller companies. But I think it's really uh, the the big ones are Sega and Capcom. Um, and then what what totally pushed me over the edge is that it also has some Fire Emblem characters in there as well. <laughs> so like, of oh course, man, I can, I can play as Lucina and something else. Okay, sold. I'm done. Let's do it. <laughs> um, uh, but I played a little bit of it. It's it's kind of fascinating. There's there's it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it reminds me a lot of Final Fantasy Tactics, where it's that isometric. Um, you it matters which way your character is facing at the end of a turn. Uh-huh. Um, there's a lot of backstabby kind of stuff, and and I I want positioning. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to I wanted to like it. I think a lot more than I did. But again, but it's I'm, also a fighting game too. Yeah, in a way. yeah. There's something there's something to it, and I I need to give it another shot when I have some yeah. more time. And I just, at the moment when it came out and I bought it, I, I just didn't have a whole lot of time. And, and knowing the how much it would take to actually get into this, I, I ended up putting it to the side. And, uh-huh. and didn't end up picking it up uh, again during the year. But um, that that is one I know I will go back to eventually. Because it's the it's so intriguing from from all the different characters that are in it and and just the way they would all interact. I, I, I find that really cool. And want to want to give that a shot, man. It's got Sagata uh, Sagata Sanchiro in it, so yeah, I do really want to play that one. <laughs> well, um, speaking of slight disappointments, um, did you play the new Mario and Luigi game this year? Uh oh, uh, Paper Jam. Paper Jam. Yeah, I did not. Was that disappointing? Yeah. I mean. Was it more disappointing than uh, Dream Team? No, Dream Team was. Ah. Dream Team sucked. Um, this Ooh. was this was good, and it just ended up being too much game. Honestly, um, they they do the trick that happens in a lot of these games. It happened in um, Dream Team. It happens in a lot of the Mario and Luigi games, and it happens in a lot of games in general, where you feel like you're getting to the boss, the end boss, like you're here at the last area, and then literally Bowser throws you off the castle and has like a whole new set of areas that you need to go to. And you realize, you realize, wait a minute, I'm only like half done with this game instead of being all done with this game. And I don't know if I have it in me to play another 50% 50% of this game. <laughs> so I, it's, it's pretty well documented how much I love Paper Mario. Uh, I, I absolutely love the first game. I've played quite a bit of, of a Thousand Year Door. And, and then after that, they ruined it. <laughs> uh, Super Paper Mario, even, even though I heard it was a pretty decent game, is not the RPG style of the first two games. Um, Sticker Star is not great. <laughs> I, I even like sticker star, but I understand that it is not a great game. Um, and then we did get a new paper Mario game this year for Wii U paper Mario color splash. 
And uh-huh. that was pretty disappointing from what I have heard. I own a copy of that, and I'm dreading putting it into my system because I've heard some really not great things. Um, so I was excited about Paper Jam because the Mario and Luigi games have been very solid uh, RPGs this this whole time, so from Superstar Saga to Partners in Time, uh, Bowser's Inside Story, and... Uh, was there another one before Dream Team? Or was Dream Team? Uh, let's see. I th- no, I think that was there. There's two on the Game Boy Advance and then one on the DS. Okay. Yes, I believe that's correct. Oh no! Wait, no. Uh, oh, there's two on the two on the DS. Yeah, there's two one on the, Game one Boy on the Advance, two on the DS, and and one on on the uh, 3DS now. Or two on two the on the 3DS. So two, two, and two. Right. So Dream Team, not great. I I I really didn't like. Um, it just felt boring a lot of the times. And the big gimmick of that game, the, the dream state Luigi stuff was bad. It it was, it was really colorful and, and pretty looking, but it takes all the RPG mechanics and all the experience that you've gained throughout the story. And it throws it away to play a quick time event. And that sucked. That was just such a disappointment. Uh, especially when it's the final boss of the game where you really should be putting all that you've learned into one final battle. Uh-huh. And instead it's like, hey, do you want to just play this kind of quick time thing? <laughs> it, was, oh, it was so disappointing. Um, so Paper Jam is similar, but better. Um, the The addition of Paper Mario as a third uh, third playable character, a third party member, is cool. It's it's neat to see the interplay between uh, the 3D Mario and the 2D Paper Mario of how they kind of interact with each other. Uh, there's a lot of neat uh, Super Paper Mario style things where the, there's some origami going on of you know Paper Mario folding himself into an airplane to be able to get over uh, gaps. Uh-huh. Um, so all that stuff's kind of cool. And it does kind of the same thing Dream Team does, of now you go into these papercraft battles, which are, you know, I mean, if, if you know what papercraft looks like, I mean, they kind of look like little cardboard corrugated uh, enemies that are that are very large. They use them as these giant vehicles uh, for the enemies to, to ride on. And it goes from being a 2D... Or a, like a 2D RPG in the, in the way the combat works anyway. I mean, it's a 3D world. But uh, it goes from that into this 3D arena where you're riding on top of this papercraft machine to, to play. I mean, it's kind of like a minigame. It's, it's not as bad as the quick time event stuff of Dream Team. But again, it doesn't take into account any of your RPG stuff. It, like any of the stat boosts that you've gotten, any of the equipment that you've found. Uh, it just It's a totally separate thing. And even though it's more fun than the Dream Team stuff, it's still it's still not why I come to that to that genre of game. Kind of cheapens the experience for you. It really does. And and then once I got to Bowser and I thought, okay, well, you know, I've I've enjoyed enough of this game and I'm trudging all the way through and, and I'm getting there. I, I'm gonna make it to the top of this castle and fight Bowser and rescue Peach and do all the stuff that I need to do. Uh, and then for him to just throw you off and go like, <laughs> no, you're not even halfway done. I'm like, okay, well, no, I think I'm all the way done. And I put that to the side and have no qualms about not starting that up again. So yeah, 
I in like game it. I have not played this year. I, I still have Bowser's Inside Story to play through, so that, hear that I've heard is the one, one play. Uh, I've played every Mario and Luigi game except for Partners in Time and Bowser's Inside Story. And mm. I hear from everybody that Bowser's Inside Story is the good one. Yeah, and, I, and as far as, like, Paper Mario games, I own the 3,000-year door. I still need to, like, finish that game, but yep. Same that, that is a really good Paper Mario game. Oh, yeah, if, if the rumors are true that the Switch will get uh, some GameCube virtual console games, I hope that yeah, is one of the one. ones it gets, because I will definitely play through it on a Switch. Because I just I don't have my Wii hooked up. I can't I can't put my <laughs> GameCube disc into anything right now to be able to play that game easily and quickly. So I I have to hope that uh, it comes to something newer. Um, but yeah, let's move in to good games, really good games, games that we loved. Matt, hit me with something that you loved. Uh the one we haven't really talked about, Fire Emblem. Well, there's there's a few we haven't really talked about, but yes, let's talk about Fire Emblem. Man, it's really good. <laughs> oh. I mean, I've only just played through Birthright, and I still have to get to Conquest and the Revelations kind of little pre little uh, third option, right? And that you have in the game. But, for context, oh. I have played through Birthright and Conquest, and I'm about halfway finished through Revelations. Is Revelations really good? It is. So here's here's my take on it. Uh, I yes. think if you are a first-time Fire Emblem player, then <laughs> don't play any of these games. Go back and play Awakening. Yeah, play <laughs> Awakening first. Because Awakening is still the best Fire Emblem game of all of them. Um, but if, if maybe you've just played Awakening and you're looking for a similar experience, uh, you're looking for something a little bit new, I would say... Birthright is the game. Birthright is probably my favorite of the three in that respect. Of it's it still has the base building. Or it has the base building. It has the the quieter um, pace where you're able to to play the uh, play scouting missions and you can grind and, and get your characters high level and and feel good about everything. You can uh, you're not. You're not going to be stretched to your limit. I mean, you can be if you want to turn the difficulty all the way up and play it on hardcore and, and do that insanity. Um, but the ability to have the grinding around there helps for me, anyway, to, to really see what my characters can do. And I appreciate that. Uh, it gives you time to, to level up everybody and to pair people off and to let them have their children. And then you can use the children and be effective the whole time. And, and that was great. Uh, Conquest is like a very traditional Fire Emblem game that I'm not used to because I really got into the series with uh, Awakening where I just played a a few of the other games in the past um, and not very much. Well, I take that back. I played played all the way up until the final mission of Shadow Dragon on the DS. (laughs) Um, But yeah, other than that, I played like a touch of Sacred Stones here and uh, a bit of the uh, Game Boy Advance game there. Uh, but Awakening was really the one for me. Um, so Conquest is kind of like a splash of cold water of, this is Fire Emblem, motherfucker. <laughs> and, and I was not ready for it. Um, but I, I feel like the story in Conquest is a little less good than Birthright. Birthright seems to be the quote-unquote canon story, and Conquest is kind of like, well, 
we had to find a way for you to be on the other side of this conflict, so here is us retconning stuff. Ah. Um, and then Revelations is kind of this whole other thing of what if both sides were wrong? <laughs> and it, it feels a little bit like a cop-out and uh, the story goes real ridiculous in Revelations, even though I'm only halfway through. Mm. Um, so in, yeah. for, for, I guess my recommendation is it's cool that there are all three games here and they all serve different masters in a way. Uh, Birthright is that easier one that is the more accessible one that, hey, maybe you should try Fire Emblem. Give this a shot. Uh, Conquest is there for the hardcore Fire Emblem fan, hardcore old school Fire Emblem fan who wants who wants that very guided experience where you don't get to to do the grinding. You are on this linear set of missions and you better get your stuff in while you have time. And then Revelations is is there to it's there for more of the completionist where you can recruit pretty much everybody from each of the armies. And so now you can see the crazy combinations of, hey, these two people hated each other when I when I fought a, fought with them in, in Birthrider Conquest, but now I'm going to have them marry each other and, and have this kid. And, and so that's kind of cool. It's, it's nice to have all those options available to you, and you get this giant roster of characters, and you get to see how everybody interacts, and, and that's awesome. But the story of Revelations is so nonsensical that I... I don't know. It, that part kind of mm. turns me off. Um, interesting, interesting. I mean, to me, like, I I always enjoyed, like, the in Awakening, the, the fact that you could marry off people and that, that was a whole other stat-building game in this. Mm-hmm. In, in Fire Emblem Fates, it, they kind of like, oh, let's do it again, but we don't have a really good story reason to do it. It's just like, oh, just make something up. So that yeah. was kind of a little bit off-putting to me, but whatever. It, like, when I think about it, I'm like it doesn't really matter at all. It's just part of the game at this point. Exactly. But I like, would the like children... it if in the next game they kind of drop that idea and just keep it to uh, the mechanics that they built in this game, which are uh, what I love is they added a way of pairing up other characters as far as like at a offense or defensive manner. So uh, for some contents in Awakening, you can pair up characters. And have them both attack at the same time. Yeah, they would occupy uh, the same space. They would they would kind of uh, complement each other's skills, so they could do extra damage or block for each other. And it was really overpowered and kind of the only way to do things. And I actually loved that system. Uh, yeah, and then this, this way game, though, it's it's very different though. Uh, like in the first game, if you were even just two uh, like uh, on the side of one another in this grid based game. Then uh, it would you would get the same benefit in this in fates. It's if you are uh, occupying the same space, it's always a defensive maneuver. If you are adjacent to another character, either on the up, down, left, or right, you would get an extra attack movement with uh, that adjacent character. So it adds a lot more strategy to this game. Which man, that it really, really just is. I feel like it's way better than Awakening in that respect. But Awakening just had just such a flow to it that I felt was just a little bit teensy better. Right. I mean, there there are little trade-offs, and it's all nitpicky stuff for me. Uh, whereas, yeah. where yeah, I I don't particularly like that new pair-up mechanic. I I preferred 
the little more automatic one of, well, these are the two characters that I want to get married, so I'm just going to pair them up now. So anytime they get attacked or anytime they attack, they're going to build their trust and, and there'll be a one superpower unit and that'll feel good. I mean, but if they were next to each other, you would still get the same, you know, they would still build that relationship. You're too. right. It's, You're right. Um, but it just, in, in Fates, uh, it takes a little bit more of the strategy of now I need to make sure that the person with the bow who can only hit uh, one space away has to be in this position and the person with the sword has to be in this position and and wouldn't you know it, the enemy moves to the most strategically advantage, advantage spot where I'd have to waste a turn moving <laughs> one character in one way so I can get them to line up the correct way. Um, so... It, it, for me, it ended that's up being strategy, a lot busy. Chase. That's strategy. I know it's strategy, that's why but I it also it. felt like busy work. <laughs> um, but at the same time, Fates does something better in that they take away weapon degradation. And yes, that, thank God. Well, that's a godsend, because I I ended up using the, the middle-tier steel weapons all the time in Awakening, because those were cheap, and my characters were strong enough that it didn't matter. But in this one... I would give them the best weapons possible because I know that they would never go away. That I wasn't going to lose that silver Naganita or whatever, or Naginata. Uh, yeah, but they also add like different effects after you use them too in this game. So, yeah. and they also make it more apparent on like how they affect you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there are things so, I like. I, so. I think what it really came down to is I just like the characters of Awakening mm-hmm. more. I, I loved Lucina. I loved Owain, uh, who makes a appearance in, in Fire Emblem Fates. Um, a couple of characters make some cameos. Um, but for the most part, I just thought the, the character, the characters and the development and the interactions were a lot more fun in Awakening. And I think part of that has to do with the, the localization by 8.4 for Awakening, mm. whereas it was done by the Nintendo Treehouse, who does a good job. Like, I'm no, yeah, no disrespect to the Treehouse. Yeah, it feels like kind of, eh. But it didn't feel as good as the 8.4 uh, localization, in my, in my opinion. So mm. uh, Awakening is still going to be one of my favorite games of all time, whereas Fates is going to be a really, really good game on, on the 3DS. Um, yeah, and the production on this, my God, it is like leaps and bounds. Like when Awakening came out, I was like, man, they put this on a handheld for a Fire Emblem game. Yeah. Like, no wonder like people are more interested in it. This one, like the camera zooms into every battle. If you want to still do like the instead of you doing a quick uh, trying to clear board quick, you want to just enjoy like the battle animations. It zooms in and it's like you see what's around you. It like for a 3DS game, it's it's massive. Yeah, absolutely. It's. It's a fantastic game. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll say it right now. It is my handheld game of the year. It's it's <laughs> it's I, my number two. Even if I don't love it as much as the first one, it is still absolutely incredible, and I I love playing it, and I love that I still get to keep playing it because there's so much game. <laughs> Having three yeah. different versions that I mean, it's not like Pokemon. These versions are different from each other uh, in yeah. real tangible ways. And, and getting to play through more revelations now uh, and, and have this different experience is, is pretty great. Um, so I'm, I'm really pleased with that. Um, now, please, Intelligent Systems, make another Advance Wars. Like, take, a, take just a tiny yeah. break. Take just a tiny break and, and make another Advance Wars, and then you can go back to Fire Emblem. <laughs> please. Please for me. <laughs> um, okay, so let's, uh, 
we've got a couple more games here. Matt, let me tell you about one of the best surprises that happened this year. That's uh, not Pocket Card Jockey? It is not Pocket Card Jockey, although that was a great surprise. It's not Procross 3D Round 2, although that was a great surprise. Um, if we're going non-handheld games, Tokyo Mirage Sessions was an amazing surprise for me. Hmm. Um, but we're not talking about any of those games. We're going to talk a little bit about Dragon Ball Fusions. <laughs> oh, wow. You played this. I am still playing this. Really? I absolutely love this game. I need to preface this with, like, I'm not a, I'm not a big Dragon Ball fan. Like, I've... I, like, what, what, what do you know? The Fusion, uh, the uh, Boo Saga, Cell Saga, so, what are we talking? So here's, Frieza? here's the deal. When I was in middle school, uh, there were there was a group of guys who, uh, who you know, they were the kind of skater kids. They, uh, but they were really into Dragon Ball Z. Mm. And I did not have uh, the right cable channels to be able to watch Dragon Ball Z. I didn't have Cartoon Network. I, I only had Nickelodeon at that point. Uh, it was a dark time. <laughs> Although I got to watch Rocco's Modern Life and things. So yeah, I felt, yeah, that's I felt pretty good. I, yeah, I felt pretty good about some of my choices, but it was disappointing when I didn't get to see things like Dexter's Lab or or um, uh, Dragon Ball Z or on Toonami or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Powerpuff Girls was awesome too. Absolutely, everything Just, Gendy Tartakovsky made is awesome. Uh, in fact, I'm Craig, Craig, uh, after because Star Wars Craig, Rogue Craig. One uh, just recently came out, and I watched that. Uh, now I'm going back and I'm watching the uh, the Clone Wars uh, mini series that Tartakovsky that made. That's so for good. Network. It's a, it's amazing. So so good. You mm. should follow it up with Symbiotic Titan. For sure, absolutely. Because no one else watches that, so everybody who's listening to this now watch Symbiotic Titan now. <laughs> Fair enough. Destroying um, great thing. So Dragon Ball Z. Uh, these these guys were into Dragon Ball Z uh, at this point. Because of just the way computers were and uh, the way technology was, and we didn't have smartphones or things like that, our kind of personal currency was printing out Dragon Ball Z images from the internet and keeping <laughs> those pieces of paper in our folders. And it, the more obscure screenshots you could find, the better. Uh, and like this is, I mean, it wasn't early days of the internet, but it was still there. There wasn't the the wikis of of information. There wasn't no, a, a quick GeoCities homestead, right? There cut, wasn't like a quick Google image search you could have easily done to find all your Dragon Ball Z goodness. Like I, I had found some Photoshop photo of um, a Velveeta box with Vegeta on it, and it, they <laughs> they changed it to say Velgeta, and. That was like, Vegeta. yeah, that was like my <laughs> my prized possession in. Hey, Vegeta, what's grade. up? Um, so, I, I was trying to get into it, even though I was very much on the outskirts of it because I couldn't actually watch the show. Uh, my friend let me borrow his tapes, VHS tapes of uh, the Android Saga and the beginning of the Majin Buu Saga. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to see Future Trunks come down and and fuck up Frieza immediately, and that's when Trunks became the best character ever. Well, you, you start with the best part of Dragon Ball Z. So. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. Um, so I had a fun time, and by the time I had gotten done with the, the Majin Buu tape, 
uh, tapes that he had, he'd let me borrow, uh, those guys were kind of out of Dragon Ball Z. And when I was ready to get way into it, they were like, nah, we're into other things right now. And, and it just kind of died after that. So I've always had... Should have gone back to the original Dragon Ball, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, and I've seen a couple of episodes of the original Dragon Ball. Oh, it's so good. It, it is good. It's a totally different thing, but it's it's good. Um, but anyway, the, the point is I've had this, this kind of passing fascination with Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z uh-huh. uh, for most of my life. Of I, I find that stuff cool and interesting, but there's so much of it out there that I just can't possibly uh, like get into it. Like it's it's too dense. There's too many episodes. I mean, it's not this. dense. It's just there's a lot. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's dense in the amount, not dense in yeah. like the complexity of it. Because I mean, yeah, it's it's anime dudes hitting each other back and forth um, for long extended periods of time that seemed way drawn out for whatever reason. <laughs> exactly, oh yeah, that's anime. Exactly. Um, and I, I've tried playing a couple of games in the past. I played a couple of the Budokai games, which I wasn't good at. Uh, I mean, it's it's a fighting game. It had a lot of characters, none of whom I understood, other than like Goku and Vegeta and Piccolo, um, and and I don't know. It, I saw screenshots of Dragon Ball Fusions earlier this year, and hearing about what this game was, in that it was kind of like a Pokemon game. You were actually going out and capturing uh, the the Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z characters and Dragon Ball GT <laughs> characters, uh, you're, you're kind of going out and catching these guys and adding them to your party, and you fought these five-on-five battles, and it was an RPG, and it looked a little bit like... I, I mean, yeah, it looked a little bit like Dragon Quest IX, which I love, but that's because they're all Toriyama, uh, Akira Toriyama designs, but it, it felt like Dragon Quest in the way that you were actually going out as an RPG and... and you were going to towns and fixing people's problems. And it sounded kind of cool to me. Um, so I wanted to give it a shot. And I am so glad that I did. I, I'm i having an absolute blast with this game. Even though I don't, I still don't understand a ton of the characters. Um, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know where Turles is from. Like, I know now. I, I've, I've found with some cursory searching... That he's from a Dragon Ball Z movie that I have not seen. Uh, I don't even know who he is. Uh, so, and right. I watched a lot of Dragon Ball Z and <laughs> Dragon Ball. So, hey. So, like, who, yeah, who is Turles? Who is Beerus? Who is uh, Pan? Like, I don't, I don't know who these. Okay, are. I know who Pan is. Yeah, so. Pan, Pan's from from GT. Beerus is like a god of destruction from another movie. I've learned a lot about Dragon Ball Z uh, <laughs> since. Welcome to the Pan. dark side. Yeah. Like a real dark side, because now I also have a, a friend at work who is way, who was way into it at the time, and he's trying to tell me about things I can watch without having to watch all of it. So, like right now, I'm actually watching Dragon Ball Z Kai, um, which is a redone version of Dragon Ball Z that they cut out a little bit of the fat. Uh, it's sixteen by nine instead of the four by three. Uh, stretched Ugh. yeah so it's it's not stretched it, they they oh it's not stretched they um they do um some uh, cropping uh, uh. but they they've nicely cropped it where it's not a big deal you're not missing stuff um so i've been watching some of that i'm i'm very early in it and i've also downloaded a few of the dragon ball z movies that i haven't watched yet but i know those are 
like outside of some canon or whatever, all that other shit. Uh, Anyway, the game itself is really cool despite having some flaws. It's the story is the story is dumb. Uh, the story is your. <laughs> Tell me more about Dragon Ball. Your your created character, uh, and his best friend, who's a Saiyan, uh, who who you who was made up for this game. His name is Pinnick, uh, and you guys find all the Dragon Balls. You wish for the best fighting tournament ever, and Shenron goes, "Cool, I'll make that happen." So he brings all of these worlds together. And that's the reasoning for all these characters to be in the same place. And then it's basically just flying around and finding characters, going through this story that is kind of just finding people to fight. (laughs) And that's more or less it. Um, And then Frieza and Cell come in and they decide to team up and and try to take over the fighting game tournament. It's the story, again, really not great. Uh, But you get through it. It's it's a reason for everyone to be fighting. It's a reason for good guys to fight good guys, and it it works even though it's not great. The combat is where this thing shines. It is so it's five on five. Uh, it's arena based. Like there will be a a circle or a square. The arenas can be kind of different, and some of them have um, obstacle pieces uh, around them. But the the space that you fight in is more or less clear. And then it's got this this very interesting take on turn-based battles versus kind of the Final Fantasy active time battle system, where uh. there's a timeline at the bottom of the screen, and your characters uh, have different kind of speed stats, and they'll be able to to climb this timeline more quickly than slower characters and, and different races have different uh, bonuses to that. Like Saiyans are very slow, but Saiyans are also very strong. Um, And that's cool on its own, but the way you can manipulate the timeline and the turn order is what's really crazy and shows a lot of depth and layers to, to what otherwise would be kind of just another licensee anime RPG kind of thing. Um, so you're able to have, you're, when you hit an opponent, they'll be knocked back in the turn order a little bit. And you can also place them on the field. There, there isn't really a grid, but you're able to knock people around the field a little bit. And there's also a concept of ring outs in this game, which is something that's also very common in, in the Dragon Ball uh, lore of any of the fighting tournaments that they do if you get a ring out if you step out of the the fighting space then you lose so in this when somebody gets a ring out the the person who has been rung out has to waste their turn getting back into the arena so there's a lot of strategy and depth to it of affecting the enemies in the right order hitting hitting the right enemy out using the correct attack that will hit the most knockback uh and you're trying to get as many turns as you can for your own team so you can keep doing damage and not taking damage from opponents, not taking opponent turns. Uh, there's also a concept of, of key where you're, you're uh, gaining your energy to be able to perform bigger attacks that can hit multiple enemies or knock people further back. Uh, and then you can knock enemies into other enemies like shuffleboard to knock multiple enemies at once. Or you can knock them into your own guys to get extra bonus attacks 
um, and, and do extra damage. And just the amount of stuff that they have put into that combat is really fun. I, I haven't even touched on some of the other mechanics within that combat, but I, I hit the basic stuff. And it's been so much fun to play around with that. And that on its own is great. Um, and then there's all the great Dragon Ball Z anime goodness of people have giant blast energy blast attacks and you know any any um attack that somebody has ever yelled in a dragon ball game or a dragon ball show or, or manga or anything seems to pop up uh, <laughs> of you know hey yeah piccolo has his special beam cannon and there's the kamehamehas and all, all that kind of stuff is in there and there are just a ton of characters in there as well. And you get Does to... Majin Buu eat people? Uh, Majin Buu has an attack where he can turn people into candy. Um, okay, that's, that's good enough. But I don't believe you can actually eat uh, a character um, within the battle. But yes, you can turn them into candy, which effectively uh, kind of takes them out of the battle. Uh, actually, you might be able to eat that candy to regain life. I haven't done that. that, that... That's all I want to hear. That's I haven't all I done that candy attack, but... Um, but I have it on on one of my characters. There are also a bunch of uh, loose characters, uh, non named characters that are in this uh, in this game as well that you can pick up, like uh, just generic fighters. Mm. Uh, there's <laughs> there's a whole gender swap version of the Ginyu Force in there that is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> there's there's just a lot of great fan servicey stuff, even for me who's not really that much of a fan i'm still finding stuff that i enjoy um i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna ask you this go for it uh compared to digimon yeah what are you more of a fan of now uh for well wait do you mean digimon's uh, story cyber sleuth against dragon ball yes like like as far as like things that you have very little idea of what they are or uh context Oh, I I watched a lot of Digimon. So that's, oh, oh, okay, that's never mind. Like I was, you knew a lot about. Digimon. I was already a huge fan of Digimon. I will say that okay. I like Dragon Ball Fusions a lot more than I like uh, Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. Even though I also really like Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, this was a total surprise for me uh, that that this game turned out as good as it did, um, huh. and the fact that you can collect all these characters is is really cool um it does have some quirks uh, again we've we talked about the story but the the capturing of of the uh the enemies to to get new characters on your team is kind of uh obscure uh in some ways and some of the characters even when so there's a little star that shows up on every character that you can capture and when when they call them scouting a character instead of capturing but there'll be a little star that shows you that oh this character is scoutable and then you have to knock them out in a specific way to to get them to join your team so i have found that there are characters in there that have the star next to them that i've knocked out in the very specific way that they've asked me to and it still doesn't add them to my team and I've I've found that there are certain side quests that you have to complete to to unlock some of them, uh, but it doesn't seem to be that way for everyone. So there are some characters that I really want that I still haven't been able to get, like Cell. 
Like Cell, oh. yeah, like Cell's one of the ones that you'd want. And I've fought yeah. Cell a few different times, and I've hit him with the right attack, and he's had the scoutable star on him, and it just passes over and goes, nope, you didn't get him. And I have to wonder if there might be like a, uh, if it's not a 100% capture rate or something on that, if I'm just getting very unlucky, or if I'm not hitting the right side quest. I feel like I've done all the side quests at this point. <laughs> Um, I've played this game a lot. I've played, I put a ton of hours into this game, uh, some really late nights, and most of it has just been searching for new characters. Um, so there, I've, I'm down to the point where I really only need, I think, uh, like 11 more characters, uh, that, uh, 11 more of the, the main characters, the main Dragon Ball Z named characters, not the, the generic side guys. Um, but yeah, Cell's a big one. They they count um, they count characters who are uh, uh, like different levels as different characters. So like, there's a Goku and there's a Super Saiyan Goku, and those are two distinct characters. Uh, so there's a lot of those people that I still need to get as well. Like I have I have Vegeta, I have Super Saiyan Vegeta, but I don't have Super Saiyan three Vegeta, and I don't have Super Saiyan god super saiyan vegeta which i think that's a thing it's the yes it is it's the blue hair one (laughs) so like i don't have him yet um but i i don't know i've just been having a blast like playing putting putting frieza on the same team as majin buu and on the same team as android 17 and 18 it's Uh it's just been a ton of fun to see some of that stuff and I'm just having a blast. I, I'm i going to say something kind of controversial, and this can dovetail into our discussion of our next game, but I like this game better than the new Pokemon. Ooh. Well, I have not played the new Pokemon, yeah. so please tell me, how is the new Pokemon? All right. I will try to keep this short, because we've been podcasting a long time. Um, <laughs> uh, the only Pokemon game I play this year, I'll say, is I did snag the new 3DS uh, the Pokemon version one. Yeah. And uh, the original Red and Blue. Really nice. Still good games. Still. Yep. Both of those games, I would say, still better than uh, the new Pokemon. Uh, that's, this is, I've heard really good things about this I new know, Pokemon. I know. It's though. really unfair to say. Like, I'm, I'll, I'll give you another preview of my top ten list. Like Pokemon is three. It's number three wow. on the list. Like It's good. It's not. <laughs> it's not that it's a bad game. It's just that I have a very... I'm very opinionated when it comes to Pokemon. I'm very um, particular on what I want out of the Pokemon franchise. And some things Sun and Moon deliver in spades. And others, it kind of... It's very baffling why Game Freak made decisions or why they wanted to fix things that didn't appear to be broken. Let let me guess that uh, the reinforcements aspects of the game. Uh, Part of that. That adds to some of it. Uh, and there are good and bad aspects of that um, of that call for help reinforcement system. Uh, wow. There are some things about it that I actually really like. Like it's a whole lot easier to get shiny Pokemon uh, through that, and that's never something I've been huge into of getting the the alternate color versions. But um, the the way that system works is that lower level or lower evolution Pokemon will still call in their same family members. So uh, a Pikachu is going to call in Pikachus or Pichus every time. So you can just kind of wait it out 
and wait for uh, wait for the shiny Pokemon to show up oh. instead of just traveling through grass, uh, hoping that there's a you know a fifteen percent chance that you see a Pikachu in general. Now you know that there's a hundred percent chance that you're going to keep seeing Pikachus, and it's just a matter of when they become shiny or not. Um, so like, all that's cool. Like that, that's cool that that's in there, and it is helpful to build your uh, experience points because you can get more experience points out of a single battle by continuing the loop of calling for help. Uh, but then it really slows down the game. That that's the bad part about it is that it's. It just it makes a poke, it makes a wild Pokemon battle really slow where it shouldn't be, and uh, battles in general have been slowed down. Like they they felt super snappy in X and Y and Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, and now the the health bars drain so slowly, and it takes about a second for you to put in an attack, and then for that attack to actually happen. It just it doesn't feel snappy anymore, and that. Uh, you know, it's not a big deal in one battle, but when you're fighting tons of battles over the course of the game, you're just adding a ton of extra time just not doing anything. And that that's a disappointment. Um, the good news is that the new Pokemon are some of the best that they've made, the best that they've ever made. Uh, there are some really cool designs in there. Um, and it kind of makes up for the fact that there's only 80-something new ones because all of them are... Almost all of them are really cool. And but how how many Pokemon are there now? Like I close to as many Simpsons episodes there are, right? I think there are over eight hundred Pokemon at this point. And way more than Simpsons episodes. So, <laughs> oh shit! Like maybe it's in the high seven hundreds, but I think it's in the eight hundreds now. I, I can't remember exactly. There's a lot. Yeah, that, that's so many. That's there's so many. Kind of too many. Um, but the the new the new ones that they have in there are on the whole, pretty awesome. Um, and then they, the new thing they've done with the Alolan versions of Pokemon, where it's uh, different, um, different variations on the same species are, are really cool because you're in this Hawaii setting called Alola and the Pokemon in this tropical setting are different from the Pokemon that you might find in a more temperate setting. So, like, there is a Sand Shrew that is, uh, that is an ice Pokemon instead of the regular ground that he should be, and that's because you find him on an ice mountain or a, a snowy uh, area of the, of the island. Or in the tropics. Yeah, oh, right, yes. You're in the tropics, <laughs> but it's still a Pokemon game. There's still, like, a bunch of different uh, locations. There's a, there's a new uh, Rattata. That's a dark type that is that you know looks a little different than the regular Rattata. I mean, you can still tell at a glance, like, oh, that's obviously that Pokemon, but it's got a it's got a new it's got some new little whisker additions on it, and and those are kind of cool, and it really changes up your kind of preconceived notions about Pokemon. In that, hey, you know, maybe I could have used you could have used a Psychic Attack on on a regular Rattata, and it would have been just fine, but. Uh, this version of the Rattata is a dark type now, so it's that would totally be ineffective. Um, and it, it just kind of changes up the way you think about some of those things and some of the type matchups. Um, another really great thing they've added is that you don't have to think about the type matches matchups as much uh, because now when you've when you fought a Pokemon before, 
it will remember all the types of attacks and what it's effective and not effective and super effective against it. Uh, and those those things will just show up on your move list now. So, like, I, I have a Pokemon that could do a fire attack, a water attack, a normal attack, and a, an electric attack, let's say. And I fight uh, Pikachu. And once I fight that Pikachu one time and it's now added to the Pokedex, it now adds all of its uh, good and bad type matchups now. So now when I go in and I see... When I fight another Pikachu in the future, it'll say, hey, your fire attack will be regularly effective. Uh, But if I had a ground attack, it'll say, hey, this one's super effective. You should totally use this move. And it's kind of nice to not have to remember all that stuff anymore. Uh, Especially for a new uh, person who's getting into the franchise. Like, this is is the one to start with. Because it, it just kind of eases you into the to the way the game plays in a much better more efficient way all that stuff's great uh the the story is pretty solid uh the fact that they've taken away the gym leaders in um and they've it replaced them with these trials i think the trials are super lame and the i really miss the gym leaders um, they've, they've done a really great job with the Elite Four and some of the stuff you can do with that. Um, there's, there are trade-offs. Like, there, there are good and, good and bad things, but the bad things are just kind of crazy why you change those things at all. Like, why, why is the Pokedex this slow, unusable thing where in past games it's been great? Like, you've pretty much perfected that. Why are you messing with it now? Um, they've they've taken away elements that people liked. Like the, the I, I didn't use super training that much, but some people swore by super training, and that's just gone. There's a there's a person now in one of the towns who will do something like super training, but it costs money, and you can only do it so many times. And it's it's just kind of baffling. Why would you change that? What's what's the rationale for that? Why would you why would you make that choice? So, they're good. They're really good. But I, they're not my favorite Pokemon games. Uh, I think that, that honor would still go to Fire Red or Leaf Green or even the original uh, Red and Blue um, that were so good. Which you can get for very cheap now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, would, I would totally go out. I mean, I did go out and, and uh, purchase the virtual console version of Red and Yellow. And I played all the way through Red. And man, that game is still good. And it's really cool that in January, coming up here real soon, they're going to add an update to uh, to those virtual console games and to Sun and Moon to allow you to use the Pokemon Bank feature uh, to bring in uh, Pokemon from from your older games. Cool. So, like, I have all my Pokemon from X and Y, and and I think pretty much everything. Um, was it Ruby and Sapphire and Forward? Yeah, I think that's the case. I think so, yeah. Because um, the, the Game Boy Color to Game Boy Advance Switch was the, the one time where you kind of lost everything. So it's cool that I've, I have Pokemon from, from Ruby and Sapphire that have been with me this whole time, and now I can bring them into my new games. That's great. That's, yeah, that is, yeah, that's pretty mind-blowing. Yep. And, and one of the crazy things now is that 
you'll be able to add in Pokemon from Red and Blue from that very first generation into your Sun and Moon from playing through the Virtual Console versions. And the Virtual Console versions are perfect ports in that uh, you can still do the Missing No trick. Mm-hmm. Like, that's still get rid of that. So you could totally bring in a bunch of level 100 Pokemon with you if you wanted to. Uh, toss those into the Pokemon Bank and bring them into uh, Sun and Moon and have them play that way. So that's that's kind of crazy that some of that stuff is still available to you like that. So that's my piece, more or less. I, I mean, they're, again, they're good. They're They're my number three handheld game of the year. But I, I hold Pokemon to a really high standard and these didn't quite hit that high standard for me. Despite still being great games. Well, Matt, I think that we have touched on pretty much everything. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's not much else to tell. Like, I, uh, this is the year I got a new 3DS and I still haven't played a Super Nintendo game on it. Have you done any of that? I have. I played a little bit of Super Mario Kart, and I played a little bit of Super Mario World. How's the emulation? Oh, it's good. I, I have no problems with it. It's. Uh... I'm, I'm considering picking up Super Castlevania uh, Four because I have not. Uh, I've never played that game, so yeah. I love Castlevania. Uh, that is not one that I've downloaded yet, but uh, I'm sure that would be good. I've I've seen some people play Super Castlevania Four, and they seem to like it. Mm. Um, but yeah, but yeah I've uh, such a, a really good ge- year for 3DS games. Absolutely. And, you know, if you want to... This is not the swan song for the 3DS, because even though we have the Nintendo Switch coming out early next year, uh, Nintendo has said that they want to keep supporting the 3DS, and honestly, they'd be kind of silly not to, because it's... Well, there's it's that uh, game coming out next year from uh, developers of Secret of Mana. What is it? Uh, uh, something Oasis? Endless Oasis? Yes, you're right, and I re- I remember what that I can't remember the. It exact came. Name. It was it was announced at E3 last year, and it made some ripples, and people have forgotten about it. I haven't heard much about, but that's still one of my most anticipated next year. Yeah, like, that, that, cool. that game looks really fascinating. Definitely, uh, yeah. It kind of it reminded me a little bit of Fantasy Life, mm-hmm. uh, and I really liked Fantasy Life, so that's uh, I am excited for that. Yeah, but so the 3DS isn't going away, um, but. It, it'll change definitely when the Switch comes out, and it'll be interesting to see if the 3DS turns into kind of the Game Boy Advance <laughs> when Nintendo was talking their third pillar garbage uh, before. Um, but uh, I, I I don't know. I think the 3DS is going to stick around for uh, at least another year. I think we'll get another really good year out of the 3DS, and then uh, if the Switch sells well and starts doing great, then then we'll probably transition off it. But yeah, hopefully. I mean, it, it, at this point, it has an amazing legacy. If anything, for like, sure. I, I mean, if I, you've never picked up a 3DS, just pick one up when it's really cheap, and you can play original DS games. You can download from Game Boy to some amazing Sega Genesis games. Yeah. There's there's so much on this and, console and Super Nintendo stuff. Like we, it's. I have said it multiple times to multiple people that the 3DS has the best library of games of all time. And part of that is unfair because it has access to those virtual console games to to access all of And original games. DS games, too. Like. And the original DS, which had an amazing lineup of stuff. Mm-hmm. Plus, you're getting all the really great 3DS titles on there as well. It's, it is truly my favorite system. I, I love it to death. 
and it's it's so good. So I'm not I'm not quite ready to eulogize it just yet. Uh, I'm sure that we will have a gamers on the go episode when we decide that 3ds has more or less uh, met its end. I, I bet that's two years from now. I, it's it hopefully will be a while from now because I'm still having a really Who good knows? time with it. Um, well, Matt, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, there's God, there's so much so much more stuff happening. We have a, a Vita uh, and mobile. Uh, game of the year show coming up mm. uh, soon after this one comes up uh, that will have special ge- special guest Pierce Corshane who uh, people uh, regular listeners of the podcast will recognize as a person who's been on many times not as many as Match Gear Match Gear holding on he's coming close record. he's coming close he's he's working on it but uh, Matt's uh, our East Coast correspondent here and he gets it gets it done quite often uh, so Matt Matt's been with us. <laughs> From the very beginning, yeah, honestly, man. from episode time, yeah. one. Uh, so it's been it's been great having you uh, throughout the years here, and uh, you also have your top five list of handheld games of 2016. And like we said in the podcast earlier, that list is up, and you can go read it. Um, we've got a really great selection of uh, lists from all, all sorts of guests of the of past gamers on the go episodes. Yeah, you got a lot this year. We we got a good amount. I think there's I think there's over ten, um, and and there's there's still more to come. I, I don't know how many are on, up on the the site right now. I think there's maybe like six or seven, uh, but we should have more coming into this next week before Christmas break, and uh, we'll get we'll get all that stuff out there. So we've got this episode that's out now, and then we have the Vita and mobile episode that should be out very soon after. And uh, your list and Pierce's list and my list will come out uh, once everything's out so you can kind of get that full experience um, because I guess I am the de facto, those are the de facto games of the year for, for Gamers on the Go since I'm the, the guy. <laughs> I'm the only one here. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been another fantastic year uh, for handheld games. I, I think uh, Matt and I agreed that it's a better year than last year was. Uh, on the whole, for sure. Um, Matt, is there anything that you would uh, like to plug or anything like that? Uh, just follow me on Twitter. Uh, Jiggysan, G-I-G-G-Y-S-A-N. Cool. And that uh, that is also linked on your your post of your top five, uh, so people can That's check it. that out there. Um, so go to gamersonthego.com to see, uh, to see Matt's lists and everybody's lists. Uh, we've got a whole tag. It's G-O-T-G, G-O-T-Y 2016 is the tag where you can just find all the posts from our Game of the Year extravaganza. And there's a lot of really good stuff on there. A lot of stuff that I'm really excited to play now. Like, I, I know I probably play more handheld games than anybody from that list, <laughs> from, from that group of people who submitted lists, uh, which makes sense. I'm the handheld game podcast guy. <laughs> um, but... Every single person so far has had at least one game that I have not played this year. Um, so I'm very excited to uh, round a lot of those games up at the end of this year and, and play them all on my own. So, uh, yeah. Matt, thanks for coming on. Uh, we'll be sure to have you on again sometime in the new year. And uh, we'll, we're going to keep on, keep on doing this. As long as there are still handheld games, there will still be this Handheld Games podcast. Always a pleasure. Um, Next year is going to be uh, interesting. Yeah, 
for sure. Uh, and and we have PAX to look forward to. PAX East as well, where uh, Hell yes. and I get to meet up in person. And uh, we always like doing a show from the from the hotel uh, that we that we stay at. Um, so we will make sure to do that as well again this year. And I'll I'll make sure to get my microphone back from you. <laughs> I'm using it right now. So perfect. Uh, awesome. Well. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be uh, back real soon with our Vita and our mobile Games of the Year episode. Hey,